Welcome to Bridges in Tech, a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories of women of color in tech, learning about the challenges they face every day, the projects they're working on, and how we can help others enter and grow in the field of technology. We also chat with allies, recruiters, and leaders because we cannot do this work alone. We need everyone's help. So welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me today. I'm really excited and I cannot wait to learn uh, all about you. Um, For those that are listening, I am sitting down with Lexi B. And she's going to quickly introduce herself and tell you who she is. And then we'll get right into questions. Okay. Who am I? That's a very deep question. Um, (laughs) So many layers. Um, I uh, am the founder of Sister Circle Black Women in Tech, which is a solidarity group for Black women who are in the tech industry or in industries that support the tech industry. The group started in 2017, and we have almost 6,000 women around the world, which is pretty incredible. We celebrate our third birthday um, this past April in 2020. I started the group because I have been in the tech industry since I was 22, so since I was a baby, um, as my first job out of college, and I'm still in the tech industry even in my 30s. And I noticed that there was a huge disparity between Black women and the rest of the tech world. I would walk into places and spaces, I would see myself in the room, and I would never see another black woman. And many times when I would see another black woman in the hallway, they were definitely not in my subject matter area of expertise. Um, And we'd find community within each other, right? Because I think there's something very intrinsic and magical about black women is that we find each other and we find community and we find the spirit and this hope and this connection. But it just wasn't fast enough. And I'd always watch my other counterparts and my peers and my friends who were of different races and faces and the ones who had a lot of themselves at a company. And they just had a lot of mobility because they found these similarities with other people that they could just look up to, ask questions, get advice, and not get the advice that you read in the books or the advice that the CEO says publicly on a platform, but that under the table advice of how to have a hard conversation with your manager, this is what performance review looks like, things like that. And I just wasn't getting that. And the other black women that I would talk to, they weren't getting that either. So I started the group um, to really address that and say what happens when all of the black women in the tech industry around the world come together and we just put all of our wisdom, our maturity, our curiosity and our knowledge of the things that we have gone through to solve our own problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a fabulous journey ever since. It is pretty incredible. And that's actually where I know you from um, is because I'm actually part of that group. Yeah, and It is amazing. It's a great group. I'm going to just let everyone know if you are on Facebook that you should check it out because you learn so much from like, I think that our, it's such a good point that you make. Our experiences are different and things that work for us are going to be different. And so while some people of other races other races know exactly what they need to do or they go to seminars and they hear all those different things. Those are a lot of things that make, uh, make up a black woman 
that maybe even if we hear that from another person, we maybe not take it at right. close to heart as we would. So like, it's a great community. You learn so much from like what people are working on, who's looking for what, and um, some of these challenges. And we advise each other, and it's just a really, really good uh, group of women. So thank you for starting that, <laughs> first thank of you all. Thank you for being part of it. It's, not, it's definitely not mine. It's definitely all of ours. So thank you for being part of it, yeah. Yeah, because like in my company, actually not just my company that I work for now, but all the other places I've worked at have always been like the only woman yeah. and then the only black woman, right? And it would be like for miles before you see another black woman. To be fair, I live in West Michigan, so I think our population naturally is a lot lower. But uh, but it's just in the other, the few black people in the building, we definitely all unite. We like, you find us in the cafeteria and it's, you know, from the person that is serving in the cafeteria and another engineer, we all just like congregate like, hey, <laughs> this is our people, let's talk. But you're right, if we're not in the same area, I mean, the conversations are only not that deep, right? Because we can't really right. get into what makes our job, so... So how did you decide to go into technology? I didn't. The ancestors decided for me. Um, <laughs> I, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. I went to undergrad at Stanford University, which is um, known as one of those schools that is a feeder into the tech industry. A lot of these tech companies, because Stanford literally sits geographically in the Silicon Valley, when you think of schools like Stanford University and UC Berkeley and um, St. Louis Obispo and University of San Francisco, because of the geographic location, they're, they're many times unofficially considered the schools that helped start the tech industry. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there's a lot of influence um, in those schools. The tech companies are always recruiting at those schools. The students are usually trying to get an internship at those schools. Um, conversations about entrepreneurship is alive and well at those schools. I remember when I was at Stanford, there was always some kind of entrepreneurship class. And for me, this little black girl coming from St. Louis, Missouri, I never thought about entrepreneurship. Um, my mom's a teacher, my dad's a doctor. He actually is an entrepreneur because he has his own practice. But I never really thought about his profession as entrepreneurship. I thought about it as my dad is a doctor and decided to not deal with the politics of the medical field in the hospital <laughs> yeah. start and start his own thing. thing to specifically help his community, which is a beautiful thing. So going to Stanford, I never heard of startup. I remember I was biking down the street from Stanford with some friends from my freshman dorm and I saw Facebook. And I remember calling my mom and saying, Facebook has an office. And she said, well, no, duh. Right? But it never really, it never really hit my clicked that yeah. is that this huge social media boom and this is this is fall of 2007 so facebook mm. had just become a big thing i distinctly yeah. remember it was around 2006 that facebook allowed people who did not have a college edu address to join and so yes. i actually joined facebook my senior year in high school and i used it to connect with all of these kids around the world that I met at admit weekends. Yeah. So Facebook had this very special connection. Social media had this very special connection. And so to bike by, at the time, Facebook's small headquarters was right. a very big deal yeah. for me. But then at the same time, I think that I'm very much a rebel. And when you say left, I go right. Um, 
not because I never wanted to go left, but because you're going left. And so in college, I wanted to go into fashion PR. I did a lot of internships in kind of these creative places and nothing really stuck. It was my senior year and I needed a job and I was receiving job opportunities from other places in the fashion industry, but they weren't giving me enough money in order for me to live in fashion hubs such as New York, Mulan, um, London. And so I said no to them because I was like, I need to, I need to be able to pay my bills. And I was talking to someone, and this is really about who, you know, I was talking to someone who was a year younger than me, a black engineer. And she said, I know somebody at a company that is looking to hire someone who's not an engineer. Maybe I should link up, you know, link you with her. And I, I remember I was crying. It was March. I was graduating in June. I didn't want my parents coming to graduation and I not have anything to show for this amazing investment. They made <laughs> life. And so I went to the interview, not knowing what was going to come out of it, not really understanding what program management went, was and what it did. And my saving grace, again, the ancestors are real, was there was a black man who was the director of the department and he was my first interview. And he walked in and I don't know what this man saw or did not see, but he could tell that I did not know what I was talking about. <laughs> and he made it very clear. And he said, I have a lot of faith in you because I can tell that you're really smart. And he said, so if you want this job, um, these are the things that are really important for this person who has this job to do. And so without actually telling me what to say in the interview, he gave me enough hints. So for the rest of the interview, when the people said, what skills do you have? I may or may not have mentioned the skills that he said. <laughs> Nailed it. Right, and I got the job. And in my first year, I did not know what I was doing, but I realized at the end of the year that I actually think tech is something really cool. So I think the lesson or a couple of things, if you want to make the ancestors laugh, tell them your plans. Um, that's the, first <laughs> thing. the second thing is do not stop yourself from having an experience because you don't know what you don't know. And so my whole undergraduate career, I was so stuck on this idea that I wasn't going into tech because everyone else wanted to go into, going tech. into tech. Not because I had an experience that I didn't like, yeah. right? And I was put in a position to now work in the tech industry and realized that I did not like the particular role I was in for my first year, but also realized that I could, that many of my professional superpowers, I could grow mm -hmm. in tech. And I just never left. So, yeah. Huh. That is so yeah. incredible. I like love that uh, story is it's just, you just never know like where life yeah. is going to lead you. Like one minute you're here and boom. <laughs> no, and, I, and I always tell people, it's funny how life is, life is like a roller coaster or a journey. People use all these synonyms. Like it's a roller coaster. It's a journey. It's a path, right? <laughs> um, very, very ethereal. But I always tell folks, whatever you want to call life, the point is, is my, my biggest recommendation is that whatever is in your, whatever opportunity that is presented in front of you, do your best to kill it. Yes. And if you can't do well at it, because not everything is for us, right? Mm -hmm. A good example, I am not a chemist. So if an opportunity <laughs> for me to go be a chemist, I'd be horrible at it. <laughs> but if the opportunity came along for me to be a chemist, what can I learn from this opportunity? And I think that's something that has really stuck with me and helped me 
in my career to make me somewhat successful. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely don't consider myself ultimately successful. I'm still very young in my career. I'm definitely mid-career. I'm still trying to climb the ladder. But <laughs> I'm always very big that when I walk into a room, when I walk into a challenge in a situation, I'm always thinking, what can I learn from this, mm -hmm. right? Um, what kind of person do I want to be when this is over? or when this is 50% done? Who can I latch on to in this room that I feel like knows what they're doing and what can I learn from them? And that's really helped me. So life, life will take you in really weird places that you never imagined and that's completely okay. Yeah. But when you get there, just be open to learning. And if you're open to learning and you learn things and you show that you've learned some things from it, you will go forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and my mom always says that something very similar, which is, uh, if you're going to do something, just do it well, right? Amen. Don't, don't go into it thinking, oh, I'm so below this, or I'm so um, much higher than this, or whatever it is, just do the best damn job that you can. And you Amen. never know what it's going to do. I mean, you never know what it's going you yeah. took a janitor job and you were really good at it and boom, they gave you another job. Like you don't know. So you don't, don't do. You don't know. No. I, and I agree with your mom. Your mom is brilliant. Um, and that's, that's very true. Do it well, or at least try to, because yeah. my mom used to tell me that and she still tells me that. And I think <laughs> it's great advice, but also I am of this mindset that sometimes you just can't do the, the best. Oh, right? yeah, no. <laughs> the image would be horrific. We would all die, right? Um, you don't know that, though. <laughs> oh, but we do. We do. The fact that I got through high school chemistry is a beautiful thing. We do. Um, but the point that I'm making is that do, do your best. And do sometimes your best, yes. doing your best is taking a step back and saying, what did I learn from this experience? Yes. And also understand that no career is perfect. I had to learn that the hard way, I think in my mid twenties is that there's no career that you're going to like every single thing you do every day. I love my career. I love the, the, the subject matter of expertise that I've been able to get into in my career. Um, I do not love my job every single day. There are many <laughs> parts about my job that I would rather not, if I could outsource and pay someone to do those parts, I would, but I can't. And it's really a matter of understanding that part of adulting 101 is knowing that something you're just going to have to do even though you don't like doing them. I had a mentor once tell me, she said, if you like 60% of your job, you are doing phenomenal. Yeah. Because you have, to, you have to just do stuff that's part of the job that you just yeah. don't like to do. So, so that's what I'm always, always reaching for. For me to have a job where I'm like, oh yeah, 60% of this, amazing. 40% <laughs> if I like low-key hire an elf to do it. Um. Yeah. But 60% of it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I tell people that too. Is whether it's your career or you're running a business, you could be doing the best. Like it's the job you love, the business you love. <laughs> there are tasks in, there are tasks in there that you don't want to do. You can lie to yourself all day long, but you don't want to do it. There are some things that make me not want to go to work, but there's this much percentage just like okay I gotta get through this part so I can do the part that I love right um, right and if I can find a job that's 100% like perfect then yeah sign me up I'm kind of ready <laughs> Amen. Uh, I'll be Amen. the first in line so let's talk about what that area of expertise is for yeah. you um, in tech um, so when I so I am 
I am a program manager by trade, and that is a very sexy term for a lot of different things. Um, for folks who don't know, program managers are people that are in facets of every area of the tech industry. You can be a program manager in HR, you can be a program manager in engineering, um, in finance, all the places and spaces um, when you think about it. But I always tell people high level, the program manager is the wedding planner of the wedding. So whenever you get married, um, you have a wedding planner and that wedding planner is the one basically juggling between the florist and the dress and the, mm -hmm. and the food and the venue. So, um, so the people, the, 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 the bridal party does not have to deal with that stuff. They just have a one-stop shop of the person who's running all of it. And obviously the program manager is not the person who's going to bake the cake. They may not be the best baker in town, but they're the ones who are coordinating with the baker. And so it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of understanding the whole parts to this whole wedding. Mm -hmm. And it's making sure that every part is working together with every other part, right? Because the baker may have a timeline of when the cake needs to be done and when it needs to be delivered. And that timeline could actually conflict with when the florist needs to deliver the flowers. So the program manager is the one really coming in and trying to figure out how can we make this whole spectacle work. If you think of the wedding planner as a program manager and you think of the wedding as a project or a program at a tech company, and those projects can span from redoing the whole recruitment process for a tech company or for an organization, um, doing an acquisition, right? So literally being the person who's coordinating and managing all of the players involved to acquire a new company. Or it could be something as, um, you know, right now we're in COVID, so possibly a layoff, unfortunately. So what is that going to look like? And, or a new product. We have a lot of technical program managers who manage and facilitate the launching of new major products. So a good example of, of that, you know, right now that we are in COVID, which is a crazy, crazy time, a lot of companies are pushing out new product or they're just making sure that their current product work successfully. So, you know, we have like the Instagram live and the DJ nice, but you know, the ones and twos, which I think is fabulous. I'm definitely sure there is an Instagram technical program manager for Instagram live, just making sure that because so many people are using it. Well, Instagram live is a pretty amazing product and a popular product. So, so many people use it all the time, but especially during COVID that it's yeah. running and it's working and people are happy. Right. And managing all the engineers and all the people involved to make Instagram live what it is. That's a good example. So yeah. what I specialize in is that when I started my career, I was an engineering program manager working with engineers. Um, and then after finishing that, I went to a new company and I got into compliance. And that's really what I've become to be known for and specialize in and things that I really enjoy doing. I love to walk into rooms and solve companies really, really hard problems, whether it is um, things that cater towards, oh, the government is mad at us again because of privacy issues. How are we <laughs> going to handle that? Or whether it's responding to the government or whether it's saying, how are we going to be the offense to that? Like, what are we going to do to fix our privacy? Mm -hmm. um, whether it's talking about, hey, everybody on social media is saying that our product is racist and how do we make it better? <laughs> um, which definitely happened at a company that I worked for. And... <laughs> figuring out what does that mean, right? What does it mean for a large group of people to say that they feel like 
that this product is racist because how they're being treated with the product and what is the company's moral and ethical obligation to that and how do we as a company take a stand and say number one racism is not good it will never be good and we do not support that and number two what checks and balances are we putting in place within the product to help stop that and what kind of customer service support are we going to have that is definitely more badass and bolder when people say hey i was still discriminated against yeah right yeah. um so that's the kind of stuff that i do i i I really love getting into rooms with people that are solving some of the craziest problems that I think even people from the outside would be completely perplexed that we have to figure out many times at a tech company um, because yeah. it's not just black and white. It's, it's very gray. And I love being part of that process and working with subject matter experts in like policy and engineering and PR and marketing to make sure that we can get this together and we can help solve this problem um, to make the world better, to make the tech company better, to require the company to, to take a stand on something. Um, so right now I'm doing a lot of privacy work, right? And, and working with a great company that is taking a stand on privacy and saying, hey, privacy is really, really important. So, and, and we are team privacy. We, we want our users to feel that their privacy is is basically not being shitted on, right? And so to be the person really in the room and helping take a stand to that and saying, okay, so what kinds of things are we doing? What kinds of products are we making? Or maybe it's not a product, maybe it's a policy to remind our users that we are on their side and that their privacy is the most important thing to us. And what they say online in our forum um, is not going to go anywhere. Like you, mm -hmm. you can trust us to be your most authentic self as our user. Um, and we're not going to tell everybody about that. <laughs> we're not going to sell That's your business. And we're going to keep it your business. Person. <laughs> right. We're going to keep it your business. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I have a few questions off of that. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say is the difference between a program manager and a project manager? The truth or, or like in, are you asking in theory or in practice? In practice. In practice, not a lot. <laughs> I think that project manager and program manager, the words are interchanged so many times. Um, in theory, the goal in theory is that you would have a project manager who's working on a specific project, right? As in there's a start date and there's an end date. Right. right? Okay. Yeah, and yeah. a program manager may be the person that's running a program that maybe never ends. Mm, right. Got it. Yeah. In theory, in practice, <laughs> people have all these names on their card. <laughs> and as I tell people, as long as my check is right, we're good. Amen. Um, <laughs> you and you know, just sign <laughs> right. check, call we're me what good. you want. <laughs> right. Call me whatever you would like. God knows my heart. We're, we're good. Um, when I started my career as a 22 year old, I had the title program manager. And then when I moved to a different company, I became a project manager. I went to my third company. I became a project manager again. And now I'm at my current company and I'm a senior program manager. So these terms are very interchangeable because yeah. I would definitely say my second company, I definitely felt like I was doing more program managing tasks than project manager. Um, but also, I was in a place in my career where the title didn't matter. I was working for one of the most amazing startups 
in the tech world. And I was very privileged to be at a time and place at that startup that it was booming and growing and just doing crazy, amazing things. And so I was like, I'll, I'll be the security guard. <laughs> I'll do anything y'all want. <laughs> right. Like you need me to just, so you, you need me to just erase your, your penmanship as long as I can really be in the room where it happens. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that any of my titles have necessarily affected my work. Right. right? Every time that I've walked into a room, I've really been very good at walking into places and spaces and saying, this is what I want to work on slash, oh, what are you working on? Let me show you how I can help you with that. Yeah. So I'm very big at, I really don't follow. It hasn't been till recently where I've said, okay, a new label is very important to me. Mm -hmm. um, in my twenties, it was really about being, getting really good at my job and just working on really cool stuff. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear that somebody else has had that uh, experience or that feeling where in your 20s, um, you didn't quite care as much. And then as you've grown in your career, it's like, okay, maybe I kind of need a title that matches what I'm doing. I mean, say my, right? And that yeah. really probably comes to like... I think, I think when we're talking about pay equity, and to be very transparent, <laughs> like pay equity, we live in a world where, where, where titles bring prestige. Mm, prestige yes. many times brings money. Yes. Right. Um, but in my Gabrielle Union voice, because Gabrielle Union just um, just spoke about this a few days ago in an article that just because you have fame does not mean you have money. And that's how I <laughs> so true. It's so true. And that's how I look at titles is that just because you have the title does not mean you have the coin. And I think that when I approached my late 20s and got into my early 30s and I'm still in my early 30s, I said, OK. I spent my 20s really building my foundation, getting good at what I do. Mm -hmm. um, the beautiful thing about program and project management is that you can have 10 different program or project managers in a room that are brilliant, but we all do it differently. And yeah. so program and project management is so diverse, right? So like I program manage a different way than my counterparts program manage. And that does not mean that either of us is worse than. It just right. means that we're different people. We have different styles. Mm -hmm. And so I think I spent my 20s really honing down my style of mm -hmm. how do I want to walk and show up into work? How do I want to work with people? What feels right to me? What doesn't feel right? Right? All these kind of relationship building things and these soft skills to get things done. And then it wasn't until my late 20s where I was like, mm, but generational wealth is important. And equity <laughs> is important. And I need to really start honing down on that and start asking for what I want. And it wasn't just a money conversation. It was a title conversation. If I'm doing the work for ABC title, then I deserve the pay for ABC title. And if you're not going to give me that pay, then I will find someone else who does. And that's what I really started doing in my late 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so important for people to like know what they want, um, you know, out of their career and then right. actually start demanding it because you right. can't sit in a corner and hope to get it. I mean, sometimes it happens. Sometimes somebody goes, oh, you've done such a great job and you deserve this extra money and you deserve this new title. But most times, if you don't know already what you want, you probably have to go ask for it. I would actually, I would actually push back on that and say that I don't think it actually happens. I think that there are people in this world <laughs> that because of their color and gender, they have other people that are behind them that tell them what to ask for. Whether or not they understand the words out of their mouth 
there is someone in their corner telling them, this is what you're going to say. Yeah. Right. And I always tell people like our, the, the Western world was built on discrimination. So the <laughs> fact that discrimination and racism still exists makes total sense. Like this is how the Western world was built. It's unfortunate, but it actually does make sense why it's still here. And to be a black woman in the tech industry in 2020, what I always like to tell people is first and foremost, I use my 20s to get good at my job. I use my 20s to get good at my job. And I use my 20s to figure out how do I want to show up at work mm -hmm. as a dark skinned, curly haired black woman? How do I want to show up at work? And how I want to show up at work may be different than how you want me to show up at work. And that's okay. Just like you might like chocolate and I like vanilla ice cream. That's okay. I'm still eat <laughs> vanilla, right? And so in my 20s, I really played with that because I always tell people, I'm never going to not be a black woman and I'm never going to shy away from not being a black woman. I'm never going to not stand up for rights of black women. I'm never not going to call racism out when I see it. How I decide to show up at work with with that kind of personality took some time to build and strategize and try out. It was like trying on shoes. Should I say it like this? Should I say it like this? Should I say it like this, right? Yeah. How do I want to say it and what got comfortable? And so while I was doing that, while I was trying to figure out who I was, not only professionally, but personally, I think that your 20s are a great time for growth personally. Like, who am I in this crazy world, right? Um, <laughs> And navigating those feelings, those personal feelings, I was, I was just like making a conscious effort to learn how to be good at my job, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So then when I got to my late 20s and when I got to my early 30s, I was very, and I am very confident about walking into a room and saying, this is who I am and this is who I'm not. Mm -hmm. And if you have an issue with what I am, then that's just going to be your own personal issue. And that's okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's totally cool. It's <laughs> totally cool because that's just how I feel. And I think that's an act of revolution. And I think it's an act of freedom for black people mm -hmm. to do that. I also think that it takes courage and courage. guts and stamina. And it also takes a lot of therapy, therapy for all 2020, as well <laughs> as a real understanding of who you are. Of who you are. Without the check, yeah. without all the travel pictures on the on the social on media Instagram, hey. <laughs> without a boyfriend or a girlfriend without friends it takes time for you to acknowledge this is who i am because once you understand who you are or at least have a better foundation of who you are then you can walk in the world and you can tell people that and it's mm -hmm. funny how the people that love who you are, you will attract them. Like it's, it's like a magnet. The ancestors will be like, oh, you need to meet this person. And somehow you go meet this person. And yeah. whether or not you become lovers or you become friends or you become the godmother or father to their kid, the ancestors of the universe have a way of bringing you to them. Mm -hmm. They also have a way of bringing you and passing with people who have an issue with who you are and who you are not. And they have a way with teaching you how to handle that passing in a graceful and positive manner, right? I think it was <laughs> very, very, very graceful, right? You don't have to fight everyone, right? I, um, I, I read somewhere and I forgot who it was. And they said, they said, when people are irritated by who you are, it's because the demon inside them doesn't like you. And I was like, that's deep. 
<laughs> so I why am I going to be mad at you yeah. for not appreciating me fully? We can still work together because yeah. I probably don't appreciate you fully either, but we can still make this money. Yeah. Right. Um, it's going to be the same boat way. So let's do it. It's going to be the same either way. But I think it's really important. No work on who you are and work on loving who you are. Despite what the world says, despite what your mama says, despite what your dog says, just be like, this is who I am. Like it or love it, this is who I am, right? And work on your skill, your professional mm -hmm. skill. And when both of those collide, you will just soar. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah. That is so deep. Like that yeah. is very deep because I think a lot of us struggle with who we are or we don't spend, maybe we don't struggle, but we don't spend time finding mm -hmm. ourselves. So we're just really, whatever you, we're basically like reflections of other people, right? People say you are this, so you're like, okay, yeah, that must be what I am. And then you think about it, right? You start, somebody gave uh, one of the nutrition uh, uh, coaches that I follow just talking about like just different things like, oh, your friends give you something to eat and you eat it. You don't, really know if you like this thing but everybody's eating it and you know when you go out they pass it around and now you think you like it but like think really truly think about it do you really enjoy eating that thing and when you do you're like why have i been eating this thing <laughs> this stuff is so weird but because you never really took the time to figure out what you like what do you enjoy uh when you are alone like just you and nothing else like you said surrounding or clouding your vision um and then that really goes a long way. So, yeah. And I think people don't talk about it a lot. No, people don't. are like, oh, who you are, whatever. But it's so funny to me how when I, when I started doing the work to really understand who I was, my career became so much more clear. Because then my career wasn't clouded by what other people say I should do mm. or what, what titles people say I'd be good at, right? Mm. Because who you are is going to really drive your personal life. Mm -hmm. Your personal life will drive your career mm -hmm. because fun fact, not everyone is motivated by money, despite no. what capitalist societies say, yeah. right? So if who you are is a person that really, really values their personal time, mm -hmm. right? They go to work to make money so they can pay their bills. But when they come home at five o'clock, they don't want to be bothered. Mm -hmm. I really don't know if you're going to be a senior VP. That's right. not a Right? <laughs> it's but not guess gonna what? work out. <laughs> but guess what? If you love who you are, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you're not a senior VP. Exactly. And therefore, it doesn't matter when you go to family gatherings and your auntie or uncle, you know, we all have them. And they're like, <laughs> why haven't you prepared? Mm. Not who no, I am. This is it for me. <laughs> is it, right? And so I think that we all, especially black and brown bodies, need to do that work because I think because of colonialism, the American dream, which is like mm -hmm. the White House and the picket fence and the two, <laughs> fences, <laughs> right? And the one dog yeah, is based always. on a white male perspective mm -hmm. and part of colonization, part of slavery. Um, and I use that term very, very passionately because it wasn't just the enslavement in the South of, of, of North America, but I'm also talking about the Caribbean, South American, and also the enslavement of Africa, the colonization of Africa. So not only the people that were chained on the boat, but the people who literally 
had family dynamics torn because they stayed in Africa, right? And we have to acknowledge that that is serious trauma. Um, is that these dreams that we have, have we ever taken a step back and said, oh, I want that because for the past 500 years, that was the white male dream. And I always tell people, what happens if all these black and brown bodies one day say, this is my dream? And if you know your dream, then you know who you are, then how you walk in this world and the priorities that you have for your career should map to that dream. Mm -hmm. If the dream is not the capitalist dream that white male America or white male Western society of colonization gave you, then you may have a different path. And that's okay. And you should not allow anyone to tell you it's not okay. So I always tell like 20 somethings and people who are still in their undergrad or in college or like just like 16 to 20 year olds, the best thing you can do for your, your career is to figure out who you are. Yes. Because if you figure out who you are, or at least have a better foundation of it, then you can come back to me and say, okay, so this is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is what I think I value. And then I can say, oh, well, if that's what you value and that's who you are and all these things, then have you thought about this career? This thing, yeah. Have you thought about this title? Yeah. Have you thought about that? Maybe you're just an individual contributor. You're not a manager because mm -hmm. being a manager brings on more responsibility. And you just told me that you want to be able to go to Zanzibar every other month. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to work. Not going to happen, right? But maybe if you're an individual contributor, maybe we can swing it. And because mm -hmm. I'm very big on, I call it black joy. And that's what I want for my people is to be happy, to be thriving and happy. And your happiness is different than my happiness. So you understanding who you are will help me better help you mm -hmm. figure out what your happiness looks like. Mm -hmm. And because we're different, then it's possible that our happiness may be different, but that doesn't mean that we can't both be happy. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Cause I do like, um, business and career coaching and I, I could never focus on either one because I don't think, cause I'm not really passionate about coaching someone to succeed in their career or coaching someone to succeed in their business. What I care about is that they're creating the life that they want. And whether that means being in business or being in a career or both, we, that is where we have to figure that out. Because not everyone is cut out for entrepreneurship. <laughs> and not everyone is cut out for nine to five. But the sooner you know that, the better you'll get to that dream lifestyle otherwise. <laughs> And that's what I want. So hopefully, you know, people, people can take away from this episode is that it's really about this self-reflection. People can't help you unless you help yourself, yes. right? <laughs> who come to me and say, I want to do what you do. And the first thing I ask is why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Exactly. And the people that can answer that well, right? That's the people that I'll continue talking to because whether or not how I say answer well, what I'm saying is that they've actually thought about it. And then I can say, <laughs> think that's what I do? I don't. So go talk to this person, right? Or, oh, so you've answered it, but I don't think you want to do what I do. I think you want to do uh, this other thing. Mm -hmm. um, but just making sure that Black people know that it's okay to not have the white male dream. Mm -hmm. okay. Like your, our dreams can be different. 
our dreams take the shackles off, our dreams can be different. And that's one thing that Colin, one of the many things colonization took from us is that we were not allowed to dream. So what happens if we just take a step back and dream? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I got out of that uh, for me when I've done uh, come to self-actualization, discovering myself and all that mm-hmm. is that I know what my strengths are and I know what my weaknesses are. In my 20s, I was so busy fixing those things that are technically mm. my weaknesses mm-hmm. instead of focusing on what my strengths are and just <laughs> dealing with the weaknesses, right? Like, mm-hmm. But I spent so much time on how can I do this better? How can I? Well, that, that thing is really not my strength. That's my weakness. And as, as, once I realize it and then I start accounting for it, so if I do anything, I already know as we're getting this started, this is my weakness and it's going to be a problem. How am I going to fix that? But I'm not going to pretend that that's not going to happen. <laughs> so it's even helped me be better at my job, be better when I'm sitting in meetings and talking because I know like I'm terrible at taking notes. So I'm not even going to pretend that I'm going to take notes in a meeting because <laughs> it's not going to work out. So I have to do the best to capture like the information that I need like immediately. So most of your career has been, fo- has been with tech companies. Right? Yeah, so all yeah. of it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, so all of your career has been with te- What is the one thing that you would say um, a person that wants to work for one of the big tech companies um, should do or should prepare for? The biggest thing is to network. So when, when you're talking about, so number one, well, I guess, let me ask you a question. When you say big tech company, what do you mean by that? So uh, I'm thinking the top tech companies, you know, you got your Google, your Facebook, your Apple, your Netflix, Apple yep, those big tech companies versus, uh, you know, small startups, which might be different mm-hmm. dynamics. They were all, they were one startups, right? But not anymore. <laughs> so it's a lot Tiny harder. Startups, but not so much anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say network. So that, that, that's the big one. You, you have to know somebody who's in the company. So then, well, there's two ways, really. There's number one, the new college grad program is phenomenal. So for people who are listening that are still in college and undergrad or, or are in their graduate programs, the big tech companies actually have programs for people, for students that are in education. And that's a really great way to get in. That's how I got in. Um, I, my first company was at a tech company called NetApp, and I was part of the new college grad program. And there is, I think a lot of people who have never really been in Silicon Valley or in tech don't realize how good of a connection that is. They actually have recruiting departments dedicated to hire interns and then convert those interns to new college grads or just hire new college grads. And so if you are in a position where you are of the intern level or you are in in an education program, um, which is usually an undergrad program or MBA, master's program, PhD program, and you're about to make that leap, I would definitely contact those recruiters because they're looking. And so getting into the getting into the industry like that is actually probably the easiest way. Um, yeah, because the big companies, they they need the new college grad programs. Yeah. It's it's the really it's the new college grads who I really do think like bring the passion and bring the fun and bring the culture, but also are a really huge driving force in these tech companies. And once you have that job, right, then you do that job for a couple of years and you can decide to stay 
at the company, which is great, or you can go to another company. But imagine if you're a new college grad at Facebook, once you're at Facebook, it is a lot easier for you to go to Google or Apple or, or any of these other companies you're mentioning. Um, tech is very incestuous. So to be very transparent, I just started a new job this, this spring when spring started. And it's so funny to me how many people that work at the company that I knew because they worked at other companies yeah. um, to the point that the highest ranking black engineer at my first company when I was a new college grad She's now at the company that I'm working for. And ah, so to see this all come full circle, right? She was one of those people who was very, you know, helped, helped little Lexi navigate um, <laughs> attitudes, which I'm very, very grateful for. So tech is very incestuous. So as soon as you're already in the tech and it's on your LinkedIn, you will have people reaching out to you every other day okay. to get you to go someplace else. So it's really getting that foot in the door. Um, if you're not part of the new college grad program, I think one of the best ways to do it is to network. If you know somebody at the company and for the record, it's not just knowing people at the company, um, to be fully transparent. Um, I was once at Facebook and at the time that I was there, there were like 45,000 people working at Facebook. That's a large place. Um, I, I, I have never worked at Google. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who, who used to work at Google, and she told me that Google is like three times as much. So you have these companies that have a lot of people. I think that a lot of people tell folks, oh, just find someone in the company. But if I work for a 50,000 person company, <laughs> and I'm in the legal department, and you're looking for the engineering department, Sam, which helpful. <laughs> helpful. So what I always tell people is send me your resume, tell me what you want to do. And then what I can do is if, if I work at that company, I can basically start an email or a chat with <laughs> all the, what I call all the kin folk that I know at the company to say, who do we know in this department? Yes. <laughs> Nine times out of 10, if I'm working for a company with 50,000 people, I highly doubt I know the department, the hiring manager, the whatever that you are looking for. And that's a really big thing. And I always tell folks that is that don't come to, don't come to me or anyone else and say like, can you help me with, you know, do, do you know the hiring manager? Can you refer me? I could refer you, but obviously if I'm in the legal department, which is the department that I usually sit in and you're looking at the finance department, me submitting your resume and the referral tool is cute, but maybe having someone in finance who's closer to the role is even cute, yeah. right? So help me help you get closer to the people that are hiring or get closer to the people that can give you some real information about this role. That's the second thing. The third thing is do not believe job descriptions. Yes. <laughs> Fake, fake, fake. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can't, I can't say that enough. My, my first job at 22, the job description said they wanted somebody who had 10 years of experience or had a graduate <laughs> degree. I just, I was just finishing my winter quarter in undergrad. So I'm 20, I'm 22. I had just turned 22. So by no means have I had 10 years. I, I have zero years of experience. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't have a graduate degree because I had yet to finish undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> so that story to say is that do not listen to job descriptions. 
Um, there've been studies that show that black and brown humans tend to look at the job description and go through their resume and their history. And they're like, well, I don't have this one thing. And then while other people will go through the job description, and if they have three of the 10 things, they'll apply. Yeah. So I think it's really important to look at a job description, see what it is high level, right? So if they're looking for an engineer and you're a finance analyst, this is probably not for you. <laughs> also an engineer, I would look at the job description and see what languages of code they're looking at. And then if one of those languages is yours, start doing the network processing early because mm -hmm. then maybe we can find someone who's actually hiring for the role or knows the person or is on the team or knows the team and they can say, yeah, so actually we're really just looking for somebody with this language. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I have that. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. so I think the more that you network the more that you meet people the better you'll be but like I said network strategically do not hit up someone from a company of a hundred thousand people and say can you refer me if they're in a completely different department mm -hmm. ask them do you know someone who could help me advise on this role mm -hmm. that is a great question better mm -hmm. question. yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people have said on this podcast, guests have come on and say network, 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 like Big gone at those times, you know, and, and it's not even like gone at those times because we've always said it's all about who you know, and it's not, that's not new, but now it's so much easier to actually connect with the right people so that um, you can hopefully get yourself where you want to be. I do yeah. want to touch on the uh, on one thing um, yeah. before I let you go, which is one of your um, side puzzles. Should I call that grown up truth? <laughs> <laughs> that is no longer, but yeah, um, yes, in my heart. So when I was, <laughs> I think I was twenty three, twenty four. Um, I had a blog that I just posted for myself. Cause I was just trying to navigate being an adult and for the record, being a young adult sucks. Adulting <laughs> from a kid to an adult is the most terrifying and just, it's horrible. Um, I thought puberty was bad and I'm like, nope, this is worse. Um, because I felt as though I went to college, had a wonderful time at college and I loved my university, but it was all theory, right? I didn't have a class in college that was like, how to change a tire? What do I do when I am in a car accident? Um, how do I pay my taxes, right? I didn't, that's not a thing. Um, how, how do I handle all of my friends moving to a different place and I'm alone? And how do, how do, I, how do I meet friends, right? Like how do I, so how do I find people to hang out with? Um, or like, you know, it's not okay to watch Law & Order SVU from start to finish instead of going out and meeting people, class 101, right? Um, and, or these feelings are real and it's okay, class 102. And so I started <laughs> a blog just to get my feelings out there. I felt that writing was a way for me to just kind of get it out. And I realized very quickly, I did not publicize the blog or market it. And I started receiving after a few months, people actually commenting and saying, I feel the same way. And I said, oh, I'm not the only one in the world who's right, like, right. why am I depressed about being an adult? 
Um, so I had a friend from college make a simple website and I had some other friends from college start writing as well to get different perspectives and we literally created an online magazine. The magazine lasted, I think, until 2015, 2016. Um, and it was definitely my baby and it was like, it was a, it was, it was many things. It was a therapeutic way for me to feel like I was accomplishing something. Just to be very honest, in the first three to four years of my career, <laughs> I, was like, I don't know what I'm, I, what is the purpose of this, right? I don't <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm doing bad. I don't know why. Now, looking back, I can definitely map to certain experiences in my first three years where I was like, oh, I learned that from this. But in the moment, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. So it was a way to kind of have this outlet of feeling very empowered and feeling like, oh, I, at least I'm good at this. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it was also a very good tool to really start my professional branding. I received a lot of engagements from it, a lot of conversations. People started knowing me and they, you know, called me the girl who wanted the truth about growing up. <laughs> and that was really cool. Um, so yeah, it's definitely my baby. It's a, as you're bringing it up, I just light up because it was a, it was, <laughs> I know, it was, I can time. It, was it, it was a wonderful time. Yeah. Because it was the time that despite everything that was going on at work, where I really didn't know how I was doing, and I did not feel like I was doing well, even though looking back, I was doing pretty good. But in the yeah. moment, I was like, I suck at life. It was the, it was the light that kept me going. And I really appreciate that about it. But yeah. Yeah. So it was a, it's a great way to like keep a part of your life, you know, if you weren't documenting it. Is. <laughs> Sometimes I, I go back and I read the articles and it's very much like a journal. I always yeah. tell people, if you really want to know how I, who I was at 24 <laughs> yeah, reading those articles, like that's who I was at 20. Um, and thank God I have grown, but it's also a very beautiful thing to see that growth. And also to see where Lexi B was at 24. Um, yeah. To remind me that that's where, I, that's where I was and how I've grown and how I can help other mm -hmm. people of that age. Yeah. Do you think you write again? I do. I definitely do some freelance writing. Um, Grown Up Truth is, is no longer. I just don't have time for it. Um, <laughs> I definitely do some freelance writing, but that okay. one's more towards, um, Grown Up Truth was really about being in the moment. So like, I don't have the answers, but anyone else feel this way? That was Grown Up Truth. Right, I right. think now it's more, hopefully it's more like I have some of the answers. Right, um, right. <laughs> and let me help navigate those answers for you based on what I know. Don't have all the answers yet, but I definitely have more answers than I had at 24. So, so basically, Grown Up has grown up <laughs> a little bit hopefully hopefully a little bit hopefully yeah 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 so thank you so much uh for all of that um knowledge and wisdom yeah. that you just shared um are there any final uh advice that you would give to the audience that i maybe didn't touch on yeah i would say i think my final advice is just be kind and be patient to yourself Absolutely. It'll all be okay. If you work hard and you get to know yourself, like we talked about earlier, everything will fall into place. It's weird how that happens. And I know everyone <laughs> says that and no one listens, but it's weird how if you do your work and what I've learned is your work literally means working on yourself. Right. Everything will just fall into place. Absolutely. And it's creepy and it's weird and you have to be patient 
but that's, that's the advice I would give is give yourself patience to work on yourself mm-hmm. and allow God and the universe and the ancestors to just do the rest. Do the rest. You, were destined, you were destined for great things. You just don't know it yet, but they know. So all you have to do is just do the work to get to know you and they'll just lay it out. Just lay it out. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. I thank you for having me. I think this was like a, a, a self reflection uh, session. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that everyone that listens to it feel the same way. And um, we actually get to working on ourselves and uh, being the best version of ourselves that we can be. And then everything else will follow. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs>